everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Belial, Belial, Blaileth, something like that. I'm sorry, I can help you. (laughs) (laughs) It's Bileth. I'm having trouble, H. So I probably can't call you that then. Is that the message that I'm getting? (laughs) I think that's the message you're getting, because here's the deal. I have uh, started playing um, a game that I didn't really think I would ever um, sort of mess with, which is Fire Emblem's Three Houses. Okay, cool, cool. I learned all about this on the Nintendo's Three House Live they do during E3. I've never really taken to these type of games before. You remember weeks ago, uh, God, maybe months ago, I was toying with the idea of uh, partaking in Wargroove. I said these sort of long-form strategy games aren't typically my thing. And I bought mm-hmm. this thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe I can get my partner, my fiancage, Jessica, to play with me. I brought it home and I was like, look, there's like calendar management and teaching and all this stuff. And she was like, I don't <laughs> want to do any of that. So uh, I've been left to my own devices I'm actually really enjoying it. I I almost came to the show with some sort of pitch for like a school education game today, but uh, I didn't have anything quite fully formed. Okay. And you know, you, you always want to come with a fully formed pitch just so it hurts that much more to watch it change completely. (laughs) That's right. Just get really, really like your students in Fire Emblem, watching them go out into battle. Uh, it, It only really becomes apparent the peril that they're in once you spent that much time with them, teaching them and tutoring them. Uh, so you're you're going into each of these houses, which have kind of a predetermined number of students. And I know that permadeath is a thing in the Fire Emblem universe. And so if you lose a significant number of the students, like what happens? Like what, how does the story go on from there? So I'm I'm playing like, here we go. I have to admit it on my video game podcast, a filthy casual in casual mode. Um, So my characters don't actually die. They're just out for the rest of the battle. And I haven't even gotten that far into it. I've only played like maybe two or three hours, but I've spent most of my time walking around this school and engaging with my students and giving them study assignments. And I can't believe some of the the thoughtfulness, the mechanics of like, hey, why don't you pair people together in study groups? And if they share common interests, they'll get Hmm. along and therefore do better. And there's all these tiny little touches that like feel really thoughtful. I mean, it should be no surprise. It's Nintendo, but I don't think I've played a game quite like this that seems as, well, I guess Nintendo is this. All right. Well, that's um, that's a ringing endorsement. Let's check in with you back um, maybe 80 episodes from now <laughs> and see how it's going. Probably be about halfway through the story by then. Yeah, yeah. But through part one anyway. Cool. Let's get to some video game pitches. I'll be going first today. And... Um, what I want to get into, there's a bunch of uh, video games to center around uh, different industries, um, different, uh, like, you know, overcooked for chefs and cook served delicious for chefs. Most, mostly it's chefs that are being well catered to, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I was interested in uh, getting into the death and dying industry and not on the usual end that you find yourself on in video games um, populating that industry uh, but rather 
um, servicing the the remains of people that have passed on and pick them up, I guess, in an ambulance, bring them... I don't know how people get a dead person from, <laughs> from their home where they have fallen down the stairs to the place where, like, the... I don't know, they do autopsies or... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of not super interested in the autopsy angle. I'm more into, like, dressing the, the, the corpse and, and setting it for... Um, for its funeral and kind of planning the funeral and executing not again in this context the usual executing you would be doing uh, the funeral and um, taking the hearse all the way to the graveyard and I don't know just that side of things so it's kind of an underexplored area and I'm wondering if we can find some sort of an angle to make it uh, to make it more interesting so I'm gonna go ahead and start the clock there uh, so I weirdly love this <laughs> and I'll tell you why I, I started thinking as you were saying this, wouldn't it be interesting to map this or maybe it's less interesting to you to map it to a franchise? Like what if you had to do funeral preparations and eulogies <laughs> for like a bunch of like bosses killed in, in a Metal Gear Solid series or something like that. <laughs> and then that way, when you're putting together little, you know, speeches and prayers that the priest can give, like <laughs> you can say little things that you know about them and you can get things wrong and people will like gasp in their chairs <laughs> and that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I feel like not to uh, push back, but part of the part of the aspect of being like a funeral director that seems kind of like kind of romantic to me is um, just the anonymity of the people that are coming in. Just this this yeah. idea that you have no idea who this person is, but they meant the world to their friends and family. And you get to learn things about them and you get to kind of like make them look their very best. Um, it was a couple months ago, I watched a movie with a friend of mine called uh, Bernie, which is a, a Jack Black movie where he plays like an assistant funeral director. Right, they spend the weekend at his house, they convince everyone he's still alive. Yeah, some of the, well, I'm not going to go into the plot of the movie too too deeply. It's got some interesting, oh, I, I see what you, it's not too far from the truth though. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, all right, I guess I got to see this Sorry, movie. I'm late on the, late on the joke there. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, more than just a weekend. You, you see a lot of um, kind of the preparation process of how he's, and preparing the um, preparing the bodies, and he's instructing the, a class on how to properly prepare a body in the first scene of the movie, which I thought was just very oh. like kind of solemnly respectful. Like he doesn't know this person, but you know when the people come in and uh, and he's always there to kind of like console people. He's very like gentle spirited and um, very good with the the widows and the widowers. Uh, I don't know, just that that kind of thing seems seems kind of interesting like a like a real kind of different emotional ask than you get from a lot of games i think that's interesting and if you have a mechanic where you know you're you're being deferential to the family you're listening to stories maybe you can have conversations with strangers maybe some strangers that seem lonely or seem like they want to have those conversations uh and maybe that's even a mechanic of learning who, you know, wants to have a conversation and when, and then learn things about the person and then be able to share those sort of things with members of the family. And maybe you can even overstep, right? Sharing a secret unintentionally, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think this would work well as a The Sims kind of game, 
Um, specifically, there's a there's a mode in The Sims Three where you can you can choose a career of a fashionista or fashion like a stylist, and um, people will come into your to your shop and you can dress them up. And I always found that to be very fun because I would dress them in ridiculous outfits that they would wear all throughout town. Um, sadly, one of the great careers not brought back for The Sims Four. Um, but uh, so yeah, I don't know dressing up characters in such a way and having somewhat realistically simulated characters coming in and kind of going through the whole funeral procession um, could also work in a in a similar manner to those um, like theme hospital or sim hospital those those types of games where you're kind of trying to upscale and maximize the the business of whatever funeral home you're having by building new wings and uh, increasing capacity and trying to balance like the types of challenges that come with those uh, Sim City like games. It's sort of crazy to me. I was at a funeral fairly recently, actually, and I don't mean to get into <laughs> unpleasant territory here. No, no, no. <laughs> but it this is. I think it serves as a good example and kind of interesting because I was just as interested in the mechanics of how the funeral home was operating as I was, um, you know, being present for the funeral itself, because as our funeral was finishing, they had like begun filtering in people to another one of the rooms that presumably had one of their loved ones in it. And, you know, for some period of time, you know, I guess an amount that that funeral home deemed tasteful or whatever, you know, there was two funerals happening in the same space for two different families. And it was this bizarre thing of like, maybe you have in any other world, two different families who are strangers to each other. Maybe they even practice different religions. They're all from different areas Mm -hmm. of the country, uh, are all having this, you know, hopefully cathartic experience about their loved ones and like how does a funeral home balance that like you said opening up new wings like how many funerals can if you're just the one funeral director how many can you run at a time successfully if they require some like manual intervention that's another interesting aspect the kind of religious aspect and so maybe you have to if you want to expand your audience into different religions you have to like staff people of uh like priests or whatever from different religions or rabbis or um sorry i'm not equipped <laughs> with all of the information that i need there <laughs> no i know um uh, or uh maybe you're redecorating rooms with different types of like religious um decorations and if you forget to take one of the crosses down then the hindu service is going to be very upset uh that kind of thing i think <laughs> one of the things that's kind of you know, depending on how much you play this for not laughs, but like trying to keep it lighthearted, you yeah. almost like need a Yelp like score or reviews of the, the same way that like SimCity and City Skylines have that fake Twitter ticker mm-hmm. of like what attendees are saying. Potentially you have people going that was a very nice service or that was a very, you know, so like, and maybe different religions want to celebrate differently. Like, you know, a religion that might celebrate the afterlife and really look, you know, have people looking forward to it is going to, you know, want a different vibe out of their funeral. I would love if the, um, if dissatisfaction with the funeral was kind of visually communicated while it was happening. So maybe you would get people booing in the stage or there's a, a booing in the audience rather. Um, but there's a, there's a great, 
sight gag in the film UHF, uh, Weird Al Yankovic's movie, where there's like an ad for a kind of half-rate funeral home, and you can see like body parts sticking up from the ground just because they were really oh poorly God. buried. So I guess, yeah, if you don't spend enough on your gravekeeper or something, like maybe the, yeah, the graveyard gets robbed by a mad scientist at night, or maybe, you know, if you don't spend enough on the burial team, then you do get like, like pieces of people just like sticking out of the ground like that. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Ooh. <laughs> maybe you should just like, although I, I guess it's a funeral, so it's always hard to gauge, but just the number of people like crying would be a pretty good indicator yeah. to me too. Like, but I guess you're, you're, if you're a funeral director, crying might be, you know, in your usual oeuvre. So maybe you need something a little bit more. More crying is a good thing in that case. Right. Potentially. So you, maybe you want gasps or something to be the indicator of uh, you're doing kind of a horrible <laughs> job. Or people throwing tomatoes at the stage. Like I'm okay with this being kind of cartoonish and kind of over the top, like you would get in a two point hospital where like all the afflictions that people have are so like cartoonish that it doesn't really kind of like bring up the real horror of being in a hospital. Right. We're just about out of time. Let's go ahead and call that one there. I think we've run a good course with it. Um, I am coming in with a name for this one. I, uh, I'm particularly fond of the name hearse story. Oh God. You know, you are legally not al allowed to say the phrase, uh, no pun intended, any longer. <laughs> There's, there must be some part of my mind that is pushing it forward. So whether or not <laughs> my, um, my ego recognizes it, my id fully intends for puns. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's... Um, Let's go ahead and see what's on what's on your mind today. I was thinking about this sort of occurrence that happens in so many games we're playing uh, armies going to war. I'm kind of interested in pitching this week a game about armies navigating through war. And what I mean by that is a game maybe a little physicsy uh, in nature where you are playing a commanding officer and you have got a massive sort of encampment of troops that are following you around like a giant horde uh, and you have to navigate your group through treacherous terrain from battle to battle you have to keep them well fed and keep morale high through like climbing blizzardy mountains and all this sort of thing uh, and generally, you are, <laughs> pun intended there, I suppose, and generally you are trying to keep your troop safe, healthy, and happy from battle to battle. All right, let's go ahead and start the clock again. I I'm hearing this is kind of about the uh, transportation through treacherous terrains, places that are obviously not meant for people to go through, trying to bring large um, vehicles through jungles and deserts and tundras and, and places that are um, meant to be in hospital or maybe even have, uh, you know, buried landmines or anti-tank defenses and just trying to, um, to kind of push through. I think aesthetically you could even take the turn of these are, you know, sort of lo-fi medieval knights even. I the mm. I think the imagery 
of the Banner Saga stands out singularly in my mind as like something yeah. that I would love to feel, but I've never quite played a game that makes me feel like, oh, I I really have to keep these people, you know, alive and, you know, get them through this experience that they're having. Yeah. It makes me think back to that, um, that story. I think it's true, right? Of, was it Alexander the Great or Hannibal or somebody who brought elephants through, uh, like a part of North Africa or Europe or something like that? I'm not sure. What's the story? I mean, basically just that he brought a bunch of elephants in spaces that (laughs) elephants weren't uh, accustomed traveling. (laughs) Right. I I wouldn't be super chill with that if I was an elephant. So that sounds spot on. (laughs) And I mean, there's, um, there's stories of people crossing, crossing land, uh, between waters and carrying their entire ship over those those spots and having to kind of arrange for that level of um, cooperation, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and I thought maybe there could be some kind of mechanic where while you have this kind of large, like you're the leader, you're the flag bearer or whatever, you're marching forward. And of course, like this kind of physics-y horde is... You know, I keep calling them your physics army is following you. And uh, maybe, you know, on PC, we get a mouse, almost RTS, total warlike controls where I can select groups and maybe micro groups within the army kind of lose morale. And I have to peel them off and give them individual breaks and things like that, where mm. I have to tend to these micro groups. And then, like, if you can get a micro group to you know, be in good enough spirits and high enough spirits, then maybe you get something like, you know, they start singing and that provides an entire buff to your whole, you know, section of that (laughs) army that starts singing along with them. And like that feeling of, you know, just lonely warriors with seemingly nothing better to do than to be with each other. So what are you able to do to improve the conditions? You know, what are the options that we have as the player? Um, Thinking back to early age of empires games uh maybe i'm making the wrong poll there but some of the rts games i've played in the past they have a lot of attention paid to the formation in which people are marching which i can imagine would be useful if you're trying to kind of orchestrate the best way through something maybe uh maybe like an like a v formation would be best for certain terrains and maybe you know different shapes i'm not a army expert (laughs) um but uh yeah what else could we do to improve conditions for the soldiers. I think that that's interesting. Maybe there's also like some different marches and such that you learn or different poses and techniques or requests that you can yell. And maybe the whole thing feels a little bit like journey where you have this sort of nonverbal talk about, you know, that simlish example that you had in yours. You have this nonverbal communication with your group uh, as you try and pull them through some traumatic experiences. Maybe there's, you know, animal attacks and something like that. And you can say things, maybe have encouraging like shouts. You can start uh, trying to sing. And then you can also maybe just the general pace that you set. Like if you're mostly concerned with not this like RTS mouse interaction, and it's a little bit more about the, you know, controlling an individual avatar with a, sphere of influence like the same way that you had that sort of sphere of warmth inside of journey Hmm. oh yeah so managing managing warmth as well i think that setting up camps is 
an interesting yeah. exercise, but also thinking about um, the comfort during the walk as well. Is that is that a thing? Like, how do armies stay warm while marching? Because you can't have a like a fire with you. Do they just try to bundle up and use their own body movement to kind of generate some heat? Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's like ways to just through holding down different buttons or articulating joysticks in such a way you can like ask people to tighten up formation and stuff when people are getting cold. And of course, like then your army will get cold sort of front to back, right? The people in the very front Mm -hmm. are taking the worst of the cold and you need to figure out a way to sort of cycle the group so that, you know, the next warmest people are always sort of standing in for the rest of the army and no, no one. Yeah. To kind of rotate them out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so what else? So we have the environment, the, the mud and the mountains and everything that comes with it, the water and, and all of that. We have warmth. What other obstacles could get in our way when we're out marching? I think you could do, Almost, you know, I I hate to go direct from history, but taking on things like, uh, you know, wars from different periods, you would have like jungle warfare and you would be dealing with uh, all sorts of insect and like potentially hidden enemies. Not necessarily like you're I don't even think necessarily you have to fight enemies, but so much as like the threat, the mental threat of people losing their direction, like a forest mm. level set up to be super disorienting is kind of interesting to me. And like really that feeling of like, we didn't always have like, let's take away the map marker. Let's take away the GPS. We didn't have those things for those people. So like create the sense of space and potentially at different points, maybe a little bit of aimlessness. I always thought that uh navigation using like compasses and, and maps where you don't have like a flashing marker as to where you are currently has been a really interesting challenge in video games. I think that um, Firewatch had a mode where you were kind of on your own as far as navigation goes uh, without very much supernatural help, I guess you could call it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'd love to see more of that kind of thing. Yeah, holding out a small compass or asking someone to to do that. I, I also love like the idea of a little bit of what they built in with something like Sea of Thieves, where there's just rudimentary music playing slash, you know, the marching drum stuff. And at different points, if you can get your group to sing, like part of the experience throughout the the journey is just like hearing all the war songs that can be sung Mm. by your, your team. Just like this very, like, by the end, the same way that you feel that sort of oh my goodness, feeling with Journey, even without the um, that additional level that uh, I I guess I, I don't have to spoil, but <laughs> Statue of Limitations is getting pretty close on that. <laughs> yeah, even without that sort of interesting spin on it, I think you could, you could do that. And maybe this is a multiplayer game, right? Maybe like everybody's controlling these little micro groups within and you're waiting to see mm. what a commander does that is, you know, assigned. So there would be potentially like one commander and then a lot of players playing the individual units or something like that. Cause I can imagine that wouldn't be super engrossing for those that are just marching. <laughs> yeah. Just moving your joystick in time. Yeah. Maybe, I mean that 
that sounds like it probably wouldn't work too well. So, But, you know, we're not going to count anything out. I'm sure we can find ways to make it engrossing, but... You know, sometimes choosing our battles as well. <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. You can't help it, can you? <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's um, let's close that down. Let's come up with a name. Do you have anything in mind? No, I didn't. But you, I think, have directly inspired the name by your very words during this <laughs> session. Are you ready for it? Okay. The Mud and the Mountains. Hey, that's not bad. No, not it's bad Scott at all. Or M&M for short. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's... Go now to our community and see what you all have for us today. You have uh, all come through in force, uh, which is uh, very much appreciated. On our uh, Twitter account, we put out a call for some more video game pitches because we were getting low. You have not disappointed. It's been wonderful. So we're going to go through in order. And the very first one is potentially a little tricky because... There is a game that fits this description very well, but oh uh, we'll see if we can take it in a different direction. Gareth Burningham says, toast the game. So I guess we'll go ahead and start the clock. I know what you mean by the, <laughs> that you're, we're skirting the line right into somebody else's territory here. Let me, let me see. What is it called? Is it Toast Simulator? I um, think it's I Am Toast or something. That's it. Like? Yeah. I am toast. Right. Um, which is a game where it's uh, one of those kind of like silly physics-y games, kind of like uh, Mount Your Friends, where each corner of the toast is mapped to a different face button. And then as you're holding that face button, you can manipulate that corner in particular. And if you're not holding it, then it kind of like sticks to whatever it's attached to. And so you use that to kind of perform these platforming feats and kind of, you know, crawl and flip your way around the kitchen or various other spots um but yeah essentially you're just a piece of bread looking to become toast and um it has kind of that kind of like awkward control appeal that you would get in an uh, octodad or a gang beasts or something like that so what makes our toast different is the question right like what is our toast's motivation are we playing as toast maybe our game is just about loving the delicious creation that is toast. Maybe getting toasted is kind of like like bread's bar mitzvah or something like that, where <laughs> it kind of transitions from being a child into being an adult. And the toaster could have different settings for like different professions. So he could be kind of managing a like Darwinia-like society of little bread people and kind of like through their toasting choose what roles they have in society. Oh, that's kind of cool. Like depending on how they get toasted. Yeah. Maybe it's not even like, maybe you're not even selecting from a menu. Like maybe it's how long they're in the toaster. Like if they're in there very long, they become very like tough and um, like really firm and, and good warriors. Maybe if they're not in there for very long, they could become like, I don't know, artists or something soft like that. <laughs> yeah, I that's kind of fun. And I think if you if you like pair it with the maybe you supplement it with the concept of like forget about length. What about method of toasting? Like you can toast on the grill, you can toast in a toaster oven, you can toast in a toaster. Mm, okay. You can also do like you can get a, a panini toaster that press. imprints a picture of uh, Darth Vader on it. <laughs> That's true. Oh my god, the the license and tie-in here is is strong. Steam Workshop is, is bustling. That's right. <laughs> Um, that's kind of cool. I do like the idea of having different, like a little toast society and everybody has 
Oh man, you could even do um maybe I'm off on a tangent here, but I'm I'm thinking of spore H. I'm thinking right, yeah. of like start life as, you know, just like wheat in a field and like <laughs> and get through like be chopped and be ground and like go through all the stages that it takes from, you know, just wispy little grains to you That's know, interesting. Your so little toast. mini games along the way, like you have to kind of bend your stock of grain away from like locusts that come swooping in. Yeah, it's like instead of life of pie, it's life of toast. <laughs> you could become pie if you really needed to. That's <laughs> true in a pinch. Um, it, that that selfishly makes me want to generically um, like just make you a carb because there's like so many like and you know life possibilities as a carb you can become pasta you can be i guess bread is technically pasta maybe this serves as both a diabetes education game and uh and a game where you're uh having a good time controlling some bread because you would learn really quickly oh i i forgot that pasta is bread and that uh all these other things are also bred. You know, we don't get enough diabetes education games. Ever since it's Captain Novelin really broke the seal on that one, it's been uh, been nothing for many years. <laughs> you would, uh, uh, listen, per capita from people who are diagnosed with it, I would say that we're really falling short on the, the country's need for diabetes education here. Uh, I That is something that like legitimately worries me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite foods are bread and candy, so I do not set myself up for success. <laughs> oh my god! Well, okay, you'll you'll be okay. Is that comforting? <laughs> well, as long as you say so. Okay, I'm playing as. Did we determine if we're playing as bread or not? I yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of directions we can go with this. Um, I think that the. The springy motion that toast makes when it exits the toaster is pretty fun. There's some stuff to be done with that. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe if you're going through kind of like a life cycle thing, like maybe like the spread that's put on you is kind of like the ultimate determiner of like determinator of uh, your role in society. Although at the same time, I don't know if I really like the uh, implications of somebody who has been prematurely jammed uh, to be... And if out of the running for their their hopes and dreams, I think that has some... <laughs> I, uh... I definitely think that being able to... It sounds like there would be some fun joy to be had of like not going the full weird physics route and actually making like an honest attempt at maybe even a, a character platformer where you are just straight up in earnest playing Toast and you are living through the ages of your village and they are uh, appropriately going from grain all the way to like it's like old man's journey you end as toast yeah just um is that how old man's journey ended i got stuck <laughs> in that one <laughs> yeah you become toast at the end. i'm ashamed to admit i i thought that was where it was going i saw a lot of hints in that direction right well there's foreshadowing in the you know with the toaster and everything <laughs> Yeah, so one of my favorite, very favorite things in video games is when we are able to kind of scale down to a world that would be too small for humans to inhabit and um, have a world that's set on like a, you know, like the kitchen, but at the the smaller level of bread. So you got that in I Am Toast, you would get that in like that uh, 
Toy Story skateboarding game that Neversoft did at one point. Um, uh, Little Big Planet has touches of that here and there. Just any game that lets you kind of like really get small. I really appreciate. Yeah. And I think like maybe even, you know, even though you are bread and toast and all those things, the whole thing takes place at something that feels the size of cereal. You're like toast cereal or something. Cinnamon toast crunch, the uh, taste that adults can't <laughs> see or something. I don't remember how, how that goes. Spe- oh my God. Speaking of sugar and carbs, a weakness mm. of mine is cinnamon toast crunch to be sure. <laughs> well, let's get diabetes together. You can, uh, we can go half and half on the insulin. Yeah. Uh, we're Americans for context. Yeah. <laughs> we can't afford insulin by ourselves. No, I know. Right. If that joke didn't land with you, you must be able to afford it where you are. You must be in a first world country. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. One of those. I gotta get me uh, one of anyways, those. Anyways, um... So, yeah, let's let's think of some interesting mechanics. I think we got a lot of uh, of good set dressing out of the way. Um so let's say you play as as all these kind of like steps up to becoming bread, but I want toasting to become a transformative process that changes the way that the game is played after that. Um what would be a conducive uh conducive gameplay style t- for toasting to really kind of flip on its head well maybe you can go maybe toasting yourself is an act you can do multiple times so you can kind oh, of interesting like get sort of moist or wet or something and soften yourself back out <laughs> uh, in which case you're kind of bendy and you can worm your way through parts of the environment if you toast yourself you become rigid but also strong so you can potentially oh, wedge things yeah. open. Maybe there's even different points in the game and your health is like how much you kind of scrape yourself. Um, and as you scrape yourself, you could get smaller potentially or thinner. Leave crumbs behind. Right. <laughs> um, and of course, like if you scrape yourself, maybe you get like three scrapes per level. You can't over scrape yourself. And every level starts with you like going fresh out of the toaster or fresh out of the bread bag. I like that of uh, being able to transform from being toast to bread again and then back to toast. It's kind of like, um, unravel could have those kind of physics-y platformy puzzle-y type of uh puzzles in the way that require these different forms my brothers and i used to joke that bread actually never goes bad it just like goes from bread to it goes stale and you turn it into like a you know a crouton when you toast it and then that goes soft and you get stuffing and then you just like <laughs> let your stuffing go moist and reform it into bread again and it's just it just becomes more seasoned that's all that happens wow so that that does get me curious if you leave toast out or put it in the refrigerator does it become bread again or is it's like structure changed in some substantial way I've never tried it. That's a good question. I think like we'll never know because mold is like stopping us from knowing the answer to this. But yeah, I stale toast, I think starts to get soft again. I'm thinking of like a pizza crust, okay. even a crispy pizza crust goes soft. Okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's, uh, let's call that one. And um, we have a name supplied uh, toast the game. It sounds like there's a lot of ideas out there. Um, we've we've got a, a, a bit that congealed, but maybe it needs a little bit more to get over the finish line to uh, to turn it into a retail product. Um, but uh, that's that's up for the bread lobby. If you want to see this uh, fully funded, then we're going to need some of that uh, bread advertising money. 
and Are we you see flying around so much. That this idea isn't quite baked yet. <laughs> it's a little half baked. It's half baked. <laughs> Even if it is half baked, we don't want to discourage you from from pitching your favorite games and your brand new game ideas to um, to us. Uh, you can do that by by submitting your game ideas to playwrightcast.com slash pitch, playwrightcast at gmail.com, or tweet us like a bunch of people have done recently at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. It's very good, and you can check out a link from our site. And shout out to Kane and Rinse, the entire website, kaneandrinse.com. In fact, the latest episode of Cannon Rants deals with Inside, which is one of my very favorite uh, games this generation, I think. Is that safe to say? I it's think it's a good this one. generation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I'm going to do a little self-plug today. I have been away from the game for a very long time, and I have started once again publishing uh, design tutorials to YouTube and my own site, RyanQuintel.com. So if you're interested in playing around with uh, user experience and user interface stuff and sketch and those type of uh, pieces of software, um, those will start happening. They're long videos. They're, you know, 30, 40 minutes each, but uh, hopefully you find Any them. Any particular subject uh, to kind of get people interested? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So uh, the two that I've done since I've been back is designing an app sign-up screen uh, from scratch. This is sort of a login screen uh, and designing a messages list with symbols and overrides and sketch. So yeah, a lot of nerdy stuff, but uh, if you like mm -hmm. design and hopefully if you like uh, maybe a little bit of Bob Rossi vibes, I'm trying to keep it pretty chill, um, then you'll like this. Well, with that, let's wrap up the show with a miniature pitch. What I have for you is a game that is controlled entirely using gymnasium whistles. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, God help me. <laughs> make friends with your neighbors. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.